0: We were looking into the heavenly realms to understand the configuration of the heavens as they relate to the authority of God. And so all authority is centered in the throne, the throne of God. Scripture gives us a picture of the Lamb seated on the the throne and around the throne are 24, uh, four living creatures. So first there's the throne, the Lamb sits on the throne, this is the book of Revelation chapters 4 and 5, and seated upon the throne is the Lamb. Before the Lamb, seated on the throne, there are seven lamps that are blazing, these are the seven Spirits of God, and which is to say they are the seven characteristics of God on full display before the throne and before the Lamb. These seven characteristics of God we know as the Spirit of Lordship, first, foremost, and preeminent because He is the ruler over all. Then there's the spirit of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, counsel, power, and the fear of the Lord, the seven spirits of God. Now surrounding the Lamb, surrounding the lamb, there are four living creatures with the face of a lion, an eagle, an ox and a man. And surrounding these four living creatures are 24 elders, with crowns, symbolizing the authority of God to rule because crowns are the symbols of rule, they are the authority of kings. But We also know that the number 12 is a reference to government and it symbolizes the the reach and the rule of heaven and the kingdom of heaven And the one who sits upon the throne. He governs heaven and earth, as he himself would claim in Matthew 28 18, where he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, surrounding the 24 creatures, or 24 elders, are angels. Multitudes of angels, innumerable multitudes of angels. And they have ranks to them. It would appear that the highest rank of the angelic is called the archangel, the rank of the archangel. And we know some of these archangels. The archangel who conducts warfare is Michael. The archangel who is in charge of bringing messages from the throne of God into the earth is called Gabriel. And there was a curious absent one who was previously present. His name is Lightbearer, Lucifer, and he was in charge of the worship and praise to God, because heaven cannot keep from adoring the majesty of God. It is the clearest understanding in creation of the awesomeness of God, who would create such things. If only humans could see From the viewpoint of, they could see God from the viewpoint of the heavens, they wouldn't be nearly as arrogant as they are. They would be be like the 24 elders who are always casting their crowns before the Lord. They would have a clearer understanding of God's design of the existent creation and they would have some knowledge as to His purpose for the creation of what He has created. The understanding that God assembles His sons before His throne would preclude the assemblage of angels inasmuch as He's never said to an angel, "'You are My Son, today I've begotten You.' I know that out of Jewish mysticism has come the notion that the sons of God must have been angelic creatures or uh, the Nephilim, No, the Bible only says that the Nephilim were present in the days of the sons of God, and that the Nephilim were men of renown. They were men of renown. The Bible never calls them not men, they are men of renown. Now, but the sons of God, they're here because their representation before the throne of God is that they participate in and they are the symbols of divine authority, all of which, every scrap of divine authority, is concentrated in the person who sits upon the throne. The throne by itself is nothing, The throne is a symbol, in fact God references it as a throne or a seat only because that's what men are used to. The occupant of the throne is the one to keep your eye on because wherever He migrates to, the throne migrates to Him. While He was on the earth and in the moment when He was being Hounded, having been betrayed by one of the twelve, and pursued by the temple guard, he turned to Peter, who, in an act of desperation to save himself, pulled a sword and cut off the ears, the ear of Malchus, the, a man who was the high priest's servant, apparently one leading the charge, doing the bidding of the high priest in the night that Jesus was arrested in the dark of night. He said to him, Put up your sword, I don't need your sword. Where I am, the authority of heaven is. I can command legions of angels to defend me. I don't have to be on the throne to speak the authority of God, I can command them here. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapters one and two, delineate the authority of Christ in creation. He comes from the pre-creation existence as the Word, typified by the water, into creation as the Son of God, and he migrates and he sits upon the he sits upon the throne established by his father to, to govern creation by the authority of his father. So he is the prime executive of the Father in creation to rule all of it. By the way, although the Father, although Jesus is referenced as sitting at the right hand of God, there is no reference to God, Himself sitting upon the throne. And the reason is that the right hand does not imply that God is sitting there and Jesus is sitting next to Him on the right hand. It's the term used in Scripture and the term used generally to indicate the position of the chief executive. The one who has the authority to execute on behalf of the one who is not visible. See, heaven cannot contain God. Creation cannot contain God. And no man has ever seen God. That's because he's too big to be seen. Heaven cannot contain him. So, but it doesn't diminish the power of the throne because the one who sits on the throne is the principal heir of all authority that has been put in creation. But there's more authority than has been put in creation, but all that has been put in creation is absolutely sufficient to fully and completely execute everything God intended to do in creation. Nothing is lacking. But I want you to understand that all of creation, the heavens and the earth, and all that are in them, angels and uh, the, the demonic that's in the second of the three heavens, and mankind, all of it is subject to God, who is outside of all of it. So if God wishes to dismiss all of creation, He simply can. He simply can, at any time He wants to or He can move it or shape it whether in a storm or in a whirlwind to accommodate what He wants to. So let's not mistakenly think that all of God's power is in creation, but all of the power of God that is in creation, heaven and earth, is conserved and presented to and projected by the occupant upon the throne. This is so important because later on we will talk about the working of His mighty power according to Ephesians chapter 1, on behalf of those who believe and the working of that power to dislodge the enemy and to put him in his place in creation. Now certain of the angels warred against God, questioning His authority to establish the throne and to establish man as the lawful heirs of all that God intended to put in creation. And God did not spare the angels that sinned. Here it is, is, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, "...for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell..." Now the word hell has multiple renditions in the Scriptures. One rendition is the term, Hades. Another is the term, Gehenna referencing the valley of Hinnon outside of Jerusalem in which place the refuse from the city was burned. So there was a smoke, fire and a smoke that went up from it perpetually and it served the imagery of describing Gehenna, a place of torments for humans. But this place called hell in which the angels were cast down is the term Tartarus T A R T A R U S Tartarus so hell as used in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 is not Hades it's not Gehenna it's Tartarus and here's what he does with them did he cast them down to hell "...and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment." The certain of the angels God put there. Interestingly, this is the word that's synonymous with the term abyss, abyss, like when... Um, the man in the country of gadara who was possessed by the demonic who cried out to jesus the man was living in, in the caves and in tomb in the, amongst the tombs in gadara and he cried out to jesus and jesus had mercy on him and was about to destroy the demons that were in him and they begged him remember the reference he they begged him not to send them to the abyss not to send them to tartarus they said son of god leave us alone have you come here to torment us before the time so there's a set time now all the angels who sinned are not in tartarus they're not bound in chains in darkness, reserved for judgment, because somewhere in people. Jesus cast them out. In fact, he told us in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark 16, 17, he said, These works will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, they'll speak with other tongues, they will, they will take up serpents and, and it will not harm them, all of which have actual and metaphorical references. So the angels who sinned is the point I'm after, The angels who sinned. In fact, in the book of Revelation there's a reference to the angel of the abyss, an angel who is thrown down out of the, third, the second heaven which, in which there are the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, according to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. So some of the angels are bound in Tartarus, others, are located in the second heavens and they are described as the spiritual forces of evil. It is from there that they attempt to operate in the earth and it's from there that they are controlled in their activities among human beings. We we have an example of how the demonic kingdom interacts with human kingdoms. In the book of uh, Daniel, uh, in both the 4th and 7th chapters of the book of Daniel, principally in the 7th chapter, the demonic spirit known as the Prince of Persia was cast down when he attempted to impede the progress of Gabriel who was sent to bring a message to Daniel and uh, was, was um, uh, interrupted in his flight to bring that message by the prince of Persia. Michael the great prince was dispatched and he alone was necessary and he struck down the prince of Persia who fell and with him the empire of the Persians. And Daniel was told by Gabriel that when he returned to His place in the ranks of those who serve God that uh, uh, the Prince of Greece would take the place of the Prince of Persia. And in human history, when the Persian Empire was overthrown, the Greek Empire arose. So we have some indications of how how these configurations, all of which were put in the heavens, On the fourth day. You see, again, the whole structure of the heavens being called out of their existence, being called out of God and placed into existence in the created realm to accommodate the purposes of God, who knows the end of every matter from the beginning and is sovereign controller over all of creation, inasmuch as all of creation lies within God and God controls every aspect of it for His sovereign power is not limited to that which he's put on display in creation, housing components of it in the heavens, centralizing it in the throne of God and the occupant of the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ, or upon the earth where He has established orders for the operations and behaviors of humankind, especially as they engage the demonic. Now their ranks of angels, like we said, in the highest order of these ranks are the archangels. It would appear that there are second, second and third rankings of angels and uh, cherubims seem to occupy the next ranking below the archangels and cherubims uh, are part of the messenger coterie, but they're also part of the the entire messaging that that happens in heaven. And then there are seraphims or seraphs. The word for serpent is derived from the word seraph, and we see seraphims often functioning in, as honor guard and part of the armed forces, as it were, of heaven. It would appear that Satan was of the rank of the archangels but, but was perhaps uh, the head of, the, of one of the orders that is associated with serpents. That's why the root word, for the serpent is the word seraph. But I don't want to to go too far afield because I want to keep the focus on uh, removing blockages, but it's important to understand how the pieces of Scripture collate together to present a picture structured on what it is that God created man for, what was the purpose for the creation of man, and why are there angels involved in the picture? Well, Angels were initially created to serve man. The design of angels and the design of man are quite distinct. Whereas man has a pneuma, a spirit, that is empowered by the zoe life of God, angels are spirits but they're not empowered by the zoe life of God. The zoe life of God is meant to replicate in creation that which is of the same kind and nature as God. So God said, "'Let us make man in our own image after our own likeness.' When a man is reconciled to God, he is reconciled to God by being placed in Christ. He becomes a member, his spirit becomes an assembled component of the spirit man known as Christ, not Jesus. Jesus is a reference to the, the body, Mary's son, but Christ is the reference to the spirit being who is the Son of God. So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit animates our spirits and assembles us. It is said that we are baptized by one Spirit into one body. The baptism by the Spirit, this is 1 Corinthians 12, the baptism by the Spirit is an assembly of a Spirit component into the Spirit man known as the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we have the authority of the throne of God in creation and beyond creation we have the standing as the sons of God. Now the angels who sinned, were like all angels, they were created not as sons, not by an endowment of spirit out of the person of God, they were created as ministering servants Servants, not sons. A servant has a position and the usefulness of a servant is as that servant functions in his place. And God sustains all creation according to that design. But certain of the angels sinned, as we just saw, in the reading in 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 4. If God spared not the angels that sinned... How did they sin? It's on the subject of, God never said to an angel, "'You are My Son'." The angels desired the position of son, certain of the angels, led by the one who is now called Satan, Jesus said, "'I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven' He was thrown out of his place. And it's referenced again a second time in the book of Revelation, uh, the 11th chapter, where it says, "'Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has gone down to you,' and he's full of fury, for his time is short." As a servant, you see, he could never be entrusted with that which God meant to put on display in creation. Why did God create the creation? So that He would be known, let there be light, I will be revealed. Creation is for the purpose of revealing the nature of the invisible God. And humans, all of creation reminds us of what God can do. All of creation reminds us of what God can do, the heavens declare the glory of God and so on. But man man, reminds us of who God is, not just what He can do, but who He is. Man is in the likeness of God, I want to pick up there when we come back, as we continue, because this, you see, was what the war was about, and it's why the war continues. Satan intends to defeat man, and by that, to frustrate the purpose of God. Now, that's why we're in the crosshairs, he has certain avenues that he's exploiting in this war against us, and we'll explore that fully.